This is Lachlan Rouston. This is Raf Friedman. And you're listening to the fittest podcast in Australia, The Mind Muscle Project. All right, Project. Welcome back to another episode of Project Fitness. We've slightly arranged our setup now. We're, uh, we're, still, we're still recording as obviously the audio, but we are experimenting with new video content. We're going to put some more awesome video content out in the future. We're actually going to get us doing more of the workouts so like you'll get to see us you know we'll film a whole video of, of me doing you know a day of project body or raf doing a project strong uh, a day of project fitness so you guys can kind of see what a, a whole training involves and, and how we try to execute things and we kind of talk through movements so we're going to bring out more content coming up soon for the project program so for the community of people that are on the programs already uh, we want to provide more value for you guys and then for anyone who's who's wondering okay what is this whole project programming about we can give you more of an inside look more of a behind the scenes look as to what it's like to edu uh sorry execute these programs so very excited looking forward to that today project fitness the third one the third episode in the four episode series we're going to be talking about major mistakes when trying to get fit and uh it's it's actually a really good one this has probably been the hot topic for us for a very long time trying to get so fit ourselves at one point um you end up not it's not really it's not really the stuff that you're not doing. It's just kind of the the way you're putting it all together and the major mistakes uh, that are in there. Because you, you you know you, you hear about everything you're trying to put it all together. So we've got the six major mistakes uh, coming up right after this. So uh, Blue Blocks is sponsoring the podcast today. You guys know that uh, obviously digital eye strain is a huge issue in you know, Western culture and really just any culture in the world now with so much phone exposure, so much TV time, so much screen time. The average person spends ten hours in front of screens a day, 10 hours. So that includes your phone, includes your Netflix at night, includes your work computer, your laptop, um, includes everything. So it's a significant amount of time to not be protecting your eyes um, from the damaging effects of just artificial light. So artificial light is mainly blue and green light, which is the damaging... uh, So obviously those rays are fine when they're in uh, perfect harmony with the, the purple, the ultraviolet, the uh, red light, the infrared light, so everything, the whole spectrum of light. But obviously with screens, it's just mainly blue and green light and it will damage your eyes. So I would highly recommend getting the daytime blue light blockers to protect your eyes. Um, So you can just find those at blueblocks.com. The code is MMP. That will get you 15% off any of the pairs. Um, But you can also get the nighttime ones. I know you're a big fan of those Mm. as well, Raf. Um, So you can pick up the nighttime ones and they block 100% of blue and green light. So uh, we shared a story before on some previous podcasts where we've you know, had old school blue light blockers and at best, most of them filter 50 to 60%. Um, so these ones filter 100% of blue and green light. And that, that is why they're the best. And one of the best things about this recovery modality is just that it takes no extra time. Yep. You, know, you just add them onto your evening routine and you just recover better and there's no, no additional time needed. Yeah, absolutely. So again, guys, blue blocks, B-L-U, B-L-O-X.com and then the code is MMP when you check out. We highly recommend you jump on board, save your eyes um, and yeah, that gets you 15% off. Okay, so uh, six mistakes. We're going to start with mistake number one, easily the most common mistake uh, that we see all the time and definitely the mistake that we've fallen for for ourselves and that is overdoing high intensity interval training, HIIT training. Yeah, and I think the reason that it's hard to, well, but the reason it's so common is because it's hard to know if you are overdoing it. Mm. You know, everybody is different. You can look at one person's program, 
they might do the same amount of you. You might be overdoing it. They might be underdoing it. You yeah. Because it's, it's very individual. And even like what counts as high intensity training, you might do somebody else's workout that's a low intensity workout for them. Mm. And the way you perform it, good point. definitely a high intensity workout. Yeah, yeah, it's really good point. I think the, the uh, really where this whole thing started was with CrossFit, right? I mean, before that, cardio was seen as Ironman for or yeah. running or marathons you know there wasn't a big movement of high intensity training. even a cardio class like a cycle class pretty aerobic yeah it's long you know because you would do a 45 minute class it wasn't that high intensity yeah um so really the the birth of crossfit kind of that before that no one did two three four five minute workouts yeah. like they didn't go all out for that period of time unless you were doing like sports specific strength and conditioning at like a, a like a high level college mm. gym or high level high school gym uh, with a proper coach and really crossfit CrossFit brought this into the mainstream and really allowed the everyday consumer to experience a very, very intense uh, conditioning workout um, for pretty much the first time in their life, I'd say. Probably the closest thing they would have got to that previously maybe would have been sport, depending on what sport they played. Um, But I think what appealed so much to people and how it got chopped up and repackaged into so many other forms like, you know, F45 and Barry's Bootcamp and Orange Theory was that it's time efficient. So people thought, wow, I'm getting this really intense sensation, this amazing feeling in my body afterwards. It's very painful. It's very difficult. It must be hard. And so if I do lots of this, it's really time efficient. So I'm going to do it every day as opposed to going out for an hour run, mm. as opposed to you know going for a two-hour cycle on the weekends. I can just do a workout in five minutes, 10 minutes, and I can knock it out. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's effective for sure, but it's only a small piece, apart, which is you know should be a part of a total training program, not just... Um, just, you know, not the conditioning every single day. So overdoing it looks like honestly going, doing extremely high intensity, which is for most people, 80% of heart rate, uh, 80, 80% above maximal heart rate, which is roughly 220 minus your age. So if you're, you know, uh, 25 years old, then your max, max heart rate is 195. And so if you're going within 80% of that gen- for like, you know, extended period of time, it's generally high intensity training, um, you max once a week. You know, maybe twice a week, but really once a week is, is enough. So people doing that every day, your body just can't recover. That's the thing. And it's so intense that it beats up your joints. You know, it beats up your joints, uh, beats up your tendons, your muscles. And it's just so, like your core, t- your core body temperature just gets so hot so quickly that it kind of disrupts a lot of your normal systems. I mean, if you've had the experience of doing high-intensity training late at night, basically can't sleep for the next three, four hours. Whereas if you know, if you kind of went out for a slow cycle and you built it up and then you cooled down, you'd probably be better off being able to sleep that night. Mm. Yeah, I think what tends to happen is you overdo it for a period and then your training just starts to become less intense naturally because mm. you know, it, it is so hard to sustain. So you start to get this kind of like middle ground mm. where, you, where you lose a lot of the intensity in your workouts as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, overdoing high intensity training. If you, really, if you're doing it more than twice a week at a really high intensity, uh, you're overdoing it. Yeah. Okay, number two and... We've kind of touched on this earlier, but it's just not doing... I mean, if you have like the yin and the yang, you're obviously doing a lot of high intensity. If you don't have the lower intensity stuff, which could be as low intensity as just like going for a long walk, not having that extra recovery in there can definitely hold back your fitness gains. Mm. Um, we had Joel Jameson on the podcast that pioneered HIV. And if, you, if you're wearing a whoop strap, something like that, you measure your HIV. It's like a measure of your recovery. And one of the best ways to improve your recovery is just doing more frequent workouts. Yep. Obviously not high-intensity workouts, but more frequent low-intensity workouts really boost your recovery. So mm. you're obviously doing a lot of high-intensity training. Most people do that because you know you've got to train hard to get in shape. 
But if you don't have just some really low intensity recovery pieces, just hold back your recovery. Hmm. So you can't push it hard again the next time. And this is, I think, particularly common when you like have a busy job and you're trying to work out hard. Yeah. Because your time just gets squeezed with this long, slow recovery stuff. Yeah. Um, so you, maybe if you're working a trade and you're on your feet all day and you're carrying some different stuff, you probably get this taken care of. Uh, but if you just like sit outside of your workouts, Most you, people. yeah, you could really be missing this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the easiest one for people to do and execute is a walk. Like just get in a long walk each day. I mean, not only should you be trying to hit 10,000 steps a day, but I think for most people, doing some kind of extended long walk. I mean, getting 10,000 incidental steps, not many professions allow that. Mm. You know, like you said, trades, construction, fitness industry, that people that are on their feet all day, that kind of happens incidentally. So that is, I guess, some light aerobic work uh, for recovery. But for most people, even for us, you know, sitting at a desk, using a laptop, um, sitting down, just anytime you just not really that active during the day. You, you need to carve out some time for a long walk. That could be at lunchtime. That could be at the end of the day with your partner, you know, walk the dog, whatever it is. But a walk seems to be the most easily accessible time for people to get in that low-intensity work. And that should be almost a daily thing. And that's, mm. that's going to really help to improve your recovery for sure. And if you want to be more like, specific, you can do it on a bike and you can do it you know, on the rower or the thing you're like really wanting to mm. improve or even if you're very good at running, it can be a very easy light jog if you're like exceptional at running and then very easy running can be very light intensity but you've got to have it in there somewhere. You know, it's, I think it's good for your mindset as well but it's definitely good just for like your physical recovery. It needs to, it needs to feel easy. It's not, yeah. if, if you struggle at all during it, it's, it's not, it's, you've gone too hard. And, and the, probably the best indicator I've had is just at the end of it, you should feel better. So obviously if you yes. push it really hard in the gym, you often feel point. you know, tired after. This one, you feel like I'm more energized now yeah. to train, finishing this, and the key is don't train. The yeah. key is <laughs> yeah. then you finish it and you, and you go on with the end of your day feeling even better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, number three is not training the skill. Mm, yeah, so uh, it's, it was actually interesting. Last night I was training with um, Luke Howard, who's a professional fighter, uh, professional MMA fighter, and we were doing a workout which was basically it was um, an EMOM. So it was on the odd minute you would do calories on the row, and on the even minute you would do burpees over the row. You started at ten, and then uh, ten and ten, and then you would add one calorie each time. And like absolutely, like this is one of the fittest dudes you yeah. know that I know, and I destroyed him absolutely destroyed him like beat him by you know 60 80 reps right minutes of time and you know this is the whole point oh this is where skill work and fitness tie in really closely so because i've practiced the skill of rowing and practiced the skill of burpees over the row to you know tens of thousands of reps you know hours and hours on the rowing machine hours and hours doing burpees over the row to the point where i'm basically not thinking about it I'm basically just in there and I'm just getting into my zone. I'm just relaxing and I'm completely switched off from the skill element of it because my body just knows what to do. I don't have to think about the timing of my stroke or sitting upright or where to push through my feet. I just got to roll and stay relaxed and be energy efficient. Same on the burpees. I'm clearing that rower by a fraction of a centimeter every time and it's super efficient. My feet land in the same spot. I go down at the same pace and it's just clockwork for me. Because the skill is basically maxed out for these movements, right? Maybe there's a little bit of room to improve there, but essentially it's maxed out. So for me, in terms of how much energy I'm spending trying to get the skill component right, it's essentially zero. So for really, I'm tapping into the maximum amount of conditioning that I can express for that workout. But for Luke, maybe he has more raw conditioning, maybe he has like a bigger VO2 max, but 
because he has to think about every jump, because he has to, he's landing in a different spot each time on his burpees. He's still good at burpees. I've still done them before. But in the way that I've done them, and you know, he's not a good rower either, like his technique's a little bit off, so he's losing efficiency there. He's just burning through way, heaps more of his conditioning, heaps more of his fitness earlier. And so, you know, on paper, I beat him, but I'm not necessarily fitter than him. It's just that the skill component of it is so much easier for me. Now, if you take it, you know, if you put me in the gym with him and we started doing some wrestling or we started doing some boxing work, him throwing a jab, he doesn't think about throwing a jab. He just throws a jab. He's just throwing, he's throwing tens of thousands of jabs. I've thrown, you know, maybe a hundred jabs and mm. I have to think about it every time. I have to think about moving my foot. I have to think about throwing my shoulder. I have to think about extending my elbow, rotating my fist, all these different components and that is what burns up so much of my fitness. And it's just the only difference here is just the skill component. So that is why it's so important to practice these skills at a low intensity, not when you're tired. So that when you do get into the tired state, your body just knows what to do. You, just, you, want it, you basically just want to switch off from thinking about the skill and you want to go straight to, okay, relax, stay efficient, breathe, and just let your body do what it's supposed to do. I always remember we had uh, Andrew Laudersign told this story at nauseam multiple times, but I'll tell it again. Andrew Lattisdown got the bronze medal against Michael Phelps in the 100 fly in the 2008 Olympics. Um, and uh, Aussie guy. And we've had him on the podcast way back in the day. And he, I always remember him saying, you know, when I get into the race and I go there, the place that I want to go to is the place that is between not trying too hard and trying too hard. Because he goes, if I try too hard, I get slower. And if I don't try enough, I get slower. So I have to find the perfect balance that my body knows. He goes, my body knows what to do. I just have to get in there and just not try too hard. Because if I try to swim faster, he goes, I'll slow down. Because you're getting in the way of what your body knows what to do. So for him, it's like, okay, I have to get into this kind of relaxed state. I have to dive into the pool and I just have to let it happen. I just have to get into the flow state and I have to let it happen. And that's really interesting because we're thinking to ourselves, try harder. But sometimes when your body knows what to do, it's not about trying harder. It's about trying less and just letting your body do what it needs to do. Yeah, and I think sometimes with fitness, people are like, oh, it doesn't really matter if, I, if the skill's not perfect as long as I'm getting tired and I'm still like, you know, doing a, still getting the fitness benefits. It is true. Like you obviously are still getting the cardiovascular benefit even if you do it poorly. Uh, but generally, like doing it poorly leads to injuries more quickly. Mm. Usually, like the best way to do it is also just like, technically better for your body it's like someone just doing really bad bench press like dude it's the worst bench press yeah elbows are flared like it's touching your teeth at the bottom and it's so light because you're doing it so badly and they're like oh, it doesn't matter i'm still getting big triceps mm. you know obviously it's just like you, w- you wouldn't do that with your strength training same thing like you just kind of row horrifically forever run really poorly forever and expect to still get fit in the process you know do it as best you possibly can uh, I think you'll get less injuries in the process, you'll enjoy it Definitely. more and you'll obviously just get better at the skill as you do it. Yeah, you, you can't get fitter when you're injured, so that's a big piece. Exactly. Uh, number four, no strength work. This is um, yeah, really depends on the person, probably more common in the people that love their conditioning, mm. uh, but it can hurt you in multiple ways. Obviously, there's a point where strength training is not going to help you with your fitness goals, but what tends to happen is that maybe there's still particular areas that are weak that are holding back uh, your performance in that type of fitness modality, whether that's running or rowing, whatever it is, there's something in there. If you drop it all together, then it definitely holds you back. And you don't want to be just getting weaker and weaker. Yeah. Right? And if you're yeah. not sending your body that stimulus to maintain strength, maintain muscle mass, uh, you can, you know, you might see performances declining over time because you're just getting in worse shape physically. Yeah, it's weird because most people think of strength and 
you know, conditioning or fitness cardio on opposite ends of the spectrum. And because they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, they're not related and they don't benefit each other. But that's completely not true at all. Strength definitely benefits fitness and, and vice versa. So they're, they're very much connected. Um, and then, and so what we'll try and do is, is draw some connections for you, some examples. So if you think about running, right? So a lot of people are not good runners. I see a lot of people running that need to work on many things, but less about technique and more about muscle mass and strength. A lot of people run and they don't have sufficient muscle mass in their legs to support the amount of volume of running that they're doing. So for example, when I see a lot of people run, their legs or their knee, when it lands, their arch collapses and their knee drops in just a little bit. But basically that is happening because of a few different components. One, their feet aren't strong enough. Um, or they, they haven't strengthened their feet up enough. Their calves might not be strong enough. Their shins might not be strong enough. They don't have enough muscle in their VMO, which is the teardrop muscle on the inside of their leg to support their knee structure. They don't have enough muscle on the outside of their leg. So there are a lot of different, you know, there's a reason that professional runners all do strength work. You know, it's not the strength work that bodybuilders do, but it's the strength work that supports the running muscles. Now, that's obviously the extreme case, but for the average person, you need to balance this out. You need to do... I can't tell you how many people that whose hips that we've gotten mobile and strong and then all of a sudden they, they don't get hip pain or back pain when they run. It's just a lot of, you know, because when a, when a muscle is weak, okay, it's going to whatever force it's supposed to be controlling and stabilizing within the joint, it's going to just move that over to the next strongest structure. So if your knee is weak, if the muscles around your knee are weak and it can't support the force that you're putting to it when it runs, your knee's going to drop in and that force is going to go somewhere else. The force has to keep going. So it's going to go into your hip. If your hip is not strong enough to support your running, it's going to go into your back, right? And then that's why people say, oh, when I run, I get back issues. Well, it could be related to a weak knee. It could be related to weak legs. So there's so many components that go into it. So just to be a well-adapted, strong human that's also fit, you need strength work to go with it. They're very much connected. Yeah, and if you want to get fit in functional type fitness as well, it's it's even more important because if you're doing, you know, you're doing ski erg, like pull ups are part of your fitness regime, different stuff like that. The easier the movement is from a strength basis, mm-hmm. like the easier, the less fitness demands it puts on your body. Yeah, you know, so the more you can do it, and and particularly where yeah, maybe there's less of a relative strength demand, um, maybe like sitting on a rower as opposed to running mm. then generally like strength is really going to help you go watch the guys that set 1k records like they're jacked mm. like you big you, guys you, yeah, yeah, yeah big guys you need some lats to pull on that or mm. if you're just weak like it's you, you, there's a real massive limit on how far you're going to get with your rowing no matter how strong you get you're just not putting much tension through yeah. the oar yeah you know so um so like yeah they're big guys and that's something i would keep in mind nothing improved my burpee speed and efficiency more than getting really good at hollow rocks and bench press so that, that braced position at the bottom, I was able to, because every time I used to do a burpee, I would land and then I would push with my, lock my elbows out first and then lift my hips off the ground. I was never able to get that Chris Spieler sort of hit the deck, hips and hips and chest Just move bounce. up at the same time, bounce and pop straight up like you could do. And it wasn't until I got my, my pressing strength really strong and explosive and a really strong core that I could make my burpees go a lot faster and improve dramatically, even as my weight went up. Nice. Okay, number five. One pace. This is huge. So this is where, this is where you, all you can really do with your fitness is just one pace, and it's generally a medium pace. Yeah. Uh, so you end up doing that every single day, and what you're missing is the very, very high intensity uh, and the lower intensity pace. And this is really common because the higher and the lower are probably the more uncomfortable types of fitness. Um, 
I guess, ranges to work in. The really high one, like, really, really hurts. It really, really sucks. And you've got to to really bring a lot of, like, intention and intensity to the day to actually achieve those high intensities. If you're, like, half-assing it, you you don't even come close to that super high intensity. So, you've got to be G'd up for the day. Uh, And then, same thing with the low-intensity one. It's, like, not quite hard enough to, you know, do an Instagram story about how good your workout is. Like, maybe don't have that accomplishment at the end of it, like like you would normally with a medium-intensity. Uh, you know, maybe you're not drenched in sweat at the end of it, uh, but then, you know, you're not developing that long aerobic system. So, you just develop this ability to only go one pace. And when the workout demands a high intensity, maybe there's like a really steep hill in a run, you just drop off because hmm. you just don't have the ability to tap into that higher intensity. I, know I definitely felt like this before when I was doing functional fitness was like all the workouts, I would just hit like a good pace. And then if I had to go really fast in the type of workout, all of a sudden, you know, you just get left behind. Yeah. Uh, or if it was too long, then you would just burn out because I'm so used to going that pace. And you've got to be able to develop all those systems. Yeah, I would say I was probably the worst at picking a middle pace. Like I didn't really have the one pace. I either had like way too much intensity or not enough intensity. So it was never as much of an issue for me. But it's probably why I wasn't a good CrossFitter. Um, but I remember that uh, Max L. Hag, so if you guys know anything about the CrossFit world, Noah Olsen was one of the best CrossFitters for a long time. Probably still is. Mm. And... He, the first thing he, what that happened when he got a real coach um, was the coach basically said to him, hey, you don't know how to go hard and you don't know how to go slow. You just go one pace the whole time. Your one pace is just really fast. You know, that's why you're so good at what you do. But ultimately, it's what holds you back is that when it comes time to really put the foot down and really be intense, you, you can't do it. You haven't learned how to do it. And when it, you just need to chill out and go slow and, you know, do a recovery session, you also don't know how to do that. You kind of, your body always just tries to push you a little bit harder. So that's the problem, man. Is so many people get stuck and they don't... To develop, to make the middle faster, which is kind of, I guess, your, your game day pace, you need to work the high and low intensities more often. That is the only way to get the middle pace faster. Yeah, and, and it translates better to like sport. You know, if you go and you play some yeah. touch rugby or basketball, like there's going to be a moment where you've got to really turn it on. It's crazy intense for 30 seconds. And you know, what's the point of being fit if you just get left behind in that scenario? And the yeah. people that play that sport regularly have probably got it quite well developed because mm. they just naturally playing the game develop the different spectrums. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, I think the problem is really most cardio, most traditional cardio is done very cyclically. So it doesn't mimic sport. So when people go to play sport, all the cardio they've done is just one pace. But sport is not one pace. Mm. Sport is up and down and left and right. And yeah, so there's, there's still a lot to... Um, Still a lot to be said about uh, doing all different types of intensities. And a good coach and a good program will give you days uh, at different intensities and very rarely just at one pace. And last one is increasing the volume too quickly. This is probably most common with fitness more than uh, strength and training for body composition because usually with strength, you're like, I'm going to try and put weight on the bar and you often end up going too heavy too quickly. But I think with conditioning, you know, the obvious one is like, man, I went for like 5K run last week. This week is 7Ks. This week is 10Ks. It's like mm. the most obvious way to progress is just by adding more. Yeah. Uh, and that very, very often becomes too quickly. One of the main reasons is because conditioning usually involves hundreds of thousands of reps. So it's just more of a chronic strain on the tendons and ligaments and muscles that you're training with it. So obviously, like the chances of injuries go up a lot. And then also, it just you know might be too much for you mm. too quickly. And like, yeah, you know, if you tough it out and you have a good mindset, you can get through it. Uh, but you might be recovering from it or really improving as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, really, it's just an injury thing, right? It's like the only thing, uh, injury and recovery, the only thing that's going to happen is if you just increase your volume of conditioning too quickly is your strength work will suffer, your ability to burn body fat, your ability to build muscle will suffer, 
Um, just because your body will be in a constant state of stress, it won't have the time to adapt and heal and recover. That's the same way that, you know, you hit your biceps really hard and they're a bit sore and tender and you leave them for, you know, 24, 48 hours to recover. Same way you've got to think about your conditioning. You've got to build it up over time. You wouldn't just do a thousand bicep curls in week one, thousand, yes. 2,000 in week two. Like, you're smarter than that. But for some reason, that same logic doesn't carry over into fitness for a lot of people. So, take your time and build it up slowly and you'd be surprised. You can actually maintain a lot of fitness on not that many workouts. I didn't really do any conditioning for a good like two years and just did bodybuilding and I pretty much got all my fitness back after, you know, a good month of just building it up slowly. Like it comes back pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, a good guide is often that 10% rule. I try not to increase your, your volume by 10%. And if you're starting out, that's pretty small. So if you go for a 5K run one week, it's five kilometers and 500 meters mm. the next week. Most people take a bigger jump than that. Uh, so obviously, you just got to really keep that in mind. And, and the number one thing is, yeah, the slower you build it up, I think the longer you're going to be able to build and the higher peak you're eventually going to be able to hit because you just laid a better foundation. Yeah, absolutely. And really, all it comes down to, guys, is just following a good program, getting a good coach, following a good program. Uh, and that's really what we're trying to offer for Project Fitness. So uh, once again, we'll quickly go over the, um, the six mistakes, major mistakes to do when trying to get fit. The first one is overdoing high-intensity training. Number two is not adding in any easy recovery sessions, uh, for example, like a long walk. Um, number three is not training the skill. Number four is not doing any strength work. Number five is only doing one pace the whole way through. And then number six is increasing your volume too quickly. So Project Fitness is coming out at the end of this month in October. Uh, you can get on the waiting list now if you go to the mindmuscleproject.com slash fitness. So it's going to be in that same app, um, the Team Builder app. It's got uh, you know, the Mindmuscle Project branding. It has all the instructions and video demonstrations. And like I said, if you follow us on Instagram or if you don't follow us on Instagram, you definitely should now, the My Muscle Project. Uh, follow us on YouTube as well. We're going to be putting out more content from the behind the scenes of really how we've thought about the, the programming and how we've structured it. If you're interested in that, if you're interested in watching us go through some of the workouts, we'll be um, chopping up some videos of us going through the workouts, explaining some of the movements. So plenty of content, plenty of video content for you guys to uh, chew up, absorb uh, and enjoy. And yeah, once again, themymuscleproject.com slash fitness to get on that waiting list. Guys, we've got one more episode coming next week. Thank you for tuning in. We'll speak to you all very soon. Thank you, Project, for tuning in again to another episode of The My Muscle Project. Uh, we release an episode every single Monday. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, The My Muscle Project, to stay up to date with everything we're doing. And if you have some time, leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. And don't forget, we have a second show of the week, The After Show. So it's no longer a rest day on Thursdays. If you have any questions for Lachlan and I for that show, head to themindmuscleproject.com forward slash the after show. And if you ask a question, we'll, uh, we'll answer it on the show. Thanks again so much, Project, and we'll see you all next week.